And so gracious God, may your words for us today be words of light and of life. Amen. I remember reading a book about 15 years ago called Evangelism Made Slightly Less Difficult. I don't remember much about its contents. I think it was all okay, but I liked the general gist of the author. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want other people to know the joy of having Jesus in their lives too. But evangelism, sharing that good news can be a little bit scary. When we hear the word evangelism, Some of us shiver and others get excited. Every one of us who wants to stand there on a soapbox, there are those of us who like to work with the same understanding of St. Francis of Assisi, who said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And I get why it should fill us with enthusiasm. And I get why some of us are scared. You know, a crackly amp at the top of the high street does nothing for me. But I I worry that if we only have the words of St. Francis, it can very easily become an excuse for us to not say anything at all. Fortunately, our conversations about evangelism over the years have become more nuanced. It's been a generation since the conversation about the reintegration of evangelism and social action began. And the integration of both of these things is essential for mission. We need to see more of what this could look like. For you see, the mission of God is bigger than evangelism on its own. That is part of God's mission, not the entirety of it. We alert people to God's kingdom in a variety of different ways. Some through the things we do, others through the things we say. And there does come a point where we do have to say something. Words are required. The message of the good news to be found in Christ is unique. It's powerful. It is life giving. Good deeds that go consistently unexplained will not be enough on their own. Equally, though, there's no perfect set of words that captures the entirety of the gospel. And it's nothing short of ridiculous to tie ourselves up in knots looking for the best five minute pitch that there is. And I think part of the problem with evangelism or sharing our faith is often that we feel the need to get the whole gospel out in a five minute conversation. As well as putting lots of pressure on ourselves in those moments, that also makes us pretty intense company for those that we're with. This situation is made worse when our evangelism solely focuses on strangers because all our friends are Christians. There's only so many aeroplane flights or wedding receptions to novel people. But helping our friends and families and neighbours come to faith takes time. It often happens gradually and relationally. And evangelism, especially if we want people to stick with faith beyond the initial warm, fuzzy feeling, is always best done slowly, deliberately, and in the context of a loving community of faith. It takes time and it takes multiple methods. It requires people to observe how we live, to test our values, to enjoy our hospitality. And it must be something that we do together. So much of what the gospel is about can only be seen in community. And so it must always be, I think, a little bit aware of the Christian who's not able to exist 
in community. The gospel they're pitching is going to be missing a whole load of things. For the people we know, the billboard and the TV adverts are not going to help. If evangelism is like a meal, we're to think of it like a meal prepared in a slow cooker and served over a long night around a large table. It can't be microwaved. You know, in 1986, an Italian chef called Carlo Petrini founded the slow food movement, which has expanded to over 100,000 members around the world. Slow food exists to counteract fast food and fast life. The disappearance of local food traditions and people's dwindling interest in the food that they eat, where it comes from, how it tastes and how our food choices affect the rest of the world. And it's why uh, many courses today, things like Alpha, uh, happen over many weeks with food and with lots of opportunities to ask questions. And why lots of people do it more than once. These things take time and many opportunities. And, you know, friends, the focus for the very first evangelists was really about uh, condemning people, but instead was always anchored in the historical fact of Jesus' life and its significance for us all. Take Paul for an example. His understanding of the gospel isn't really filled with expectations and explanations of the doctrine of justification by faith. It's all about Jesus, Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. Even in the first part of his letter to the church in Rome, which isn't always the easiest to read, Paul begins almost entirely by sharing about Jesus' life and resurrection as foretold by the prophets. It was about Jesus, who being a descendant of David, was the mighty son of God. He's the Messiah, our Lord. And so for Paul, the gospel consists of proclaiming Jesus with emphasis on the historical event more than on any systematic theology. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is reminding the church of the message he first preached to them where he says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day and that he appeared to Peter and then to the disciples. It's like a plot summary of the passion story. Jesus is the core of the message. Any theological point we might want to make has to be rooted in the historical event of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. How often are our attempts instead about following a formula when they could instead be about pointing people towards the amazing, remarkable, living Lord that we serve. And if we're going to point people to Jesus, that highlights the importance of us knowing the Jesus story. The importance of us knowing uh, and taking the opportunities that our year naturally gives us at Christmas and Easter and other points of remembering who Jesus is and what his life was all about. Now, I'm not suggesting that we turn our conversations into history lessons. Jesus is not just an inspirational teacher from thousands of years ago. Jesus is Lord. We're not just people inspired by some ancient writings. Our faith is alive through the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus being over all things should be evident to our friends and colleagues through the way that we live, as well as through our words. Not just as an evangelistic tool, but because Jesus being our Lord should change the way we live. People should be able to tell that Jesus is part of our lives because the decisions we make and the things that we do and say are different. The only way for the world to know that it is being redeemed and restored is for the church to point to the redeemer and the restorer. And we do that by living as redeemed and restored people. It isn't possible to separate out demonstration and announcement if we want to be effective in pointing others to Christ. In Jesus' own ministry, we don't find a great separation or tension between him saving people from sin and saving people from physical ailments, between spiritual and social. Healing the sick, challenging unjust political and social structures, feeding the poor, telling others about Jesus. They are all part of our work as the people seeking to extend God's kingdom. Our involvement must include both our hands and our lips. But friends, we do have news that is worth sharing, a way of living that is worth demonstrating, restoration and life that is the hope for the world. I want to spend my life to see that hope realised in more and more of the world. I hope that's your desire too. I hope that's our desire together. We ask God to save us from being too focused on preserving ourselves and more focused on bringing light where there is yet to be light. God is calling us to join him in orientating ourselves around God's goal of bringing new life and offering others the opportunity to discover the riches of a life lived in the light of Jesus Christ. There is plenty of work to do. There's plenty of people who haven't heard the Jesus story yet. Let us commit together to making it a building block of our faith. Amen.